For the next few months, I will be spending some time deep diving into the past, into history, racial history, including but not limited to slavery, colonialism, Western imperialism, and so on. The blog I'll be using for this endeavour is titled How Africans Underdeveloped Africa, hence the name of the series. It's a blog I discovered online written by O.K. Chigbo, a writer and magazine editor. I've chosen to embark on this amazing journey to bring his words to life. So as I go through them, if you have any questions, please send me a message, send me an email. I'll collate them all and I'll get OK Chigbo on so that we can go through to answering all your questions. He's an author. He's also written a book called The Only Mr. Johnson and it's available on Amazon now. The link will be in the description. So let's get to today's episode. Is European interference the sole reason of African underdevelopment? Can we come up with any more reasons? The problem is that many people are fully aware of other causes and reasons, but they don't pay attention to them as much as they do to, quote-unquote, the Europeans. When people ask me why this is a problem, I just think to myself, well, if Europe is to blame for our underdevelopment, then they are also responsible for our development too. If Europe's action or inaction is the only way for Africa to experience growth according to its potential, then Europe retains that power since our fate is dependent on them, one way or another. And this is important. Exploring other theories doesn't imply that one is a sellout. According to O.K. Chigbo, Africans should not be scared by the concept that there are other causes for the condition of many regions of Africa today outside European influence. And this is something I've personally had to fight, not just with this topic, but with everything, everything, every narrative I challenge. When you discuss issues affecting racialized black demographic groups, and if you discuss these things without referencing white supremacy, racism, legacy of slavery, or how everyone else sees or treats us, when you remove the magnifying glass from so-called white people and place it instead on self-agency, self-responsibility, accountability, choice, you will face a wave of vitriol and backlash. Okay, back to the topic. Let's go one step at a time. How should we define development and underdevelopment in the first place? Okay, Chigbo writes, we can define modern underdevelopment as a condition in which a majority of people in a particular region live in poverty, grinding poverty, living out a precarious existence either as slum-dwelling urbanites or subsistence farmers or hunter-gatherers who hunt game and gather edibles from the forest. For example, it's a condition in which many of the people in a particular region are subject to the vagaries of nature and lack the knowledge, technology and industry to make their lives better with the improved productivity that creates better food supply and increases living standards. Such regions are actually often characterised by disorder, disorganisation and conflict. Instability. Social instability. Modern development, the polar opposite, is a condition in which the people in a region have developed the production tools, organisation, techniques to elevate productivity, wealth output, 
far exceeds the cost and effort put into generating it. The people in that region produce such vast superfluous wealth that the incredible volume of excess products that they do not need or even want could be used to help the rest of the world live comfortably. This is the bit that doesn't really happen much, right? See a lot of waste. Goods, food, resources, and the list goes on. Walter Rodney has a definition that makes it easy for him to show development as a zero-sum game in which one region progresses at the expense of another or can only develop because it takes from one region and underdevelops another. Now, for those who don't know Walter Rodney, so Walter Rodney was a social activist and writer who wrote the well-known book called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. So Rodney writes, an indispensable, so this is a quote from the book, an indispensable component of modern underdevelopment is that it expresses a particular relationship of exploitation, namely the exploitation of one country by another. All the countries named as underdeveloped in the world are exploited by others. And the underdevelopment with which the world is now preoccupied is a product of capitalist, imperialist and colonialist exploitation. African and Asian societies were developing independently until they were taken over directly or indirectly by the capitalist powers, end quote. The problem with Rodney's definition, according to O.K. Chigbo, is that development that involves technological transformation and industrial growth, the sort of development that has occurred in the West and is now transforming Asia, is not a zero-sum process by any means, because due to its astonishing productivity, the manufacturing-slash-industrial process creates wealth far in excess of what is put into it. And while one region may take from another, even to the point of exploitation, the evidence is that sometimes both regions end up hugely benefiting from development. For example, Asia. For example, former Prime Minister of Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew, hope I said that right, describes how his government assiduously wooed the supposed exploiters from the West, inviting Western multinational corporations to come and invest in Singapore. This move was widely panned by assorted leftists and nationalists from Asia to Africa who predicted that inviting Western firms to Singapore was another form of colonization and exploitation and therefore was doomed to fail. Of course, we now know that it was a raging success and Singapore went from a corrupt, poverty-ridden, underdeveloped country to one of the wealthiest countries in the world. The success of Singapore led other nations to follow suit. Business journalist Michael Schumann writes that Asia's choice to hitch onto the forces of globalization and ignore the prevailing economic wisdom is what caused the miracle to happen. The miracle showed that global economy was not, as so many dependency theorists had claimed, rigged against latecomers. On the contrary, it offered the opportunity for countries to achieve two centuries worth of economic progress in little more than a generation. And that discovery energized not only the Asians, but capitalism in general. So I hope you found value in this episode. See you on the next one. And I would like to thank OK Chigbo once again for allowing me to read his work. If you have any questions, please ask and I will collect it all 
and we will explore and answer all your questions in one episode dedicated to it. Until next time.